Welcome to Engaging Culture Podcast, presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. My name is Brian Kiley, Bridgeway's Director of Connections. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Bridgeway Senior Pastor Lance Hahn. In this episode, we will be discussing the difference between influence and control. If there was ever a person who could have been a control freak and gotten away with it, it was Jesus. And yet, when he was on earth, Jesus seemed to be far more interested in influencing people than controlling them. If we're going to lead like Jesus in our homes, our social relationships, and at work, we must learn the art of influence and avoid becoming controlling. We'll talk about all of that and more in this episode of Engaging Culture. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of Engaging Culture. This is Season 1, Episode 3. I'm joined by... Bridgeway Senior Pastor Lance Hahn. Lance, how are you? I am Lance Hahn. How are you, Brian? I am Brian Kiley. Yes. And doing very well. <laughs> yes, you are. So, we have so many different Brians in this studio that I always have to clarify which Brian I'm talking to. That's so, true. Brian Kiley, it is nice to be with you. All I right. love being on this podcast. Cool. Glad you're back. We had a different Brian filling in for you on the last episode, and he did a great job in episode two. If you haven't heard that, would encourage you to check that out. But glad to have you back. Of all the Lances I talked to in this studio... You are my favorite. Oh, thank so. you, Brian. So, Lance, today we are talking about influence versus control. There is a fine line between the two. What? How would you define the difference between control and influence? I, I think for me, the bottom line is options. And here's what I mean. I mean, if there's a controlling, there is no option but one. If there's influence, there are always other options. I mean, we could look at it in terms of one is a shove, one is a nudge. However, I think that um, influence can be strong. I don't want to. I don't want to say that influence is merely weak control. Right. That actually is not the case. When I, when I was writing down different ideas, talking about manipulating mm-hmm. is actually a form of attempt at control. It's not <laughs> an influence. Yeah. So manipulating. I, what I'm, I, what I don't want to say, I, I believe there are two, two different character issues. Uh, it's not one bleeds over to the other. Mm-hmm. It's not a continuum where you go, oh, you influence, and if you have enough influence, you become controlling. Yeah, uh, that's not what I'm talking about. Because even though, even if that were technically true, I want to keep the morality line. I want to keep the character line clear. That when we talk about controlling, we're talking about trying to exert an influence over someone else that they cannot get away from. Uh-huh. To me, that is not what I mean by leadership influence. Right. We're talking about leadership control. We're talking about leadership influence. Right. Those are very, very different things. I think they come from different heart places. I think they come from different motives. I think they come from different... Um, I, I, I don't know what I would say to that, but I, they come from different places in, in the mind. Absolutely. So give me give me your thoughts. If you're going to define this, what are you going to say? Yeah, no, I agree with everything that you said. I think it's influence is earned, right? Power, I mean, power in a sense is earned if, say, you're in a position of authority at work or whatever the case may be. And the ability to control is earned in that sense. But really, if, if you're going to try to control somebody else, it's because there is some sort of authoritarian structure in place where you feel like you can do that without having to earn something from that individual, right? Whereas influence is earned. I earn the right to influence someone else. 
by the quality of my life, by the quality of my advice, by them looking at me and seeing me as somebody worth following to or following or paying attention to, not because, oh, that person's my boss or, oh, I'm going to get in trouble if I don't. Influence is, is something that has to be earned. It's not, it doesn't come with a business card and a title. It comes from the quality of your life. And I think that there is an important moral line there as well, that if I'm controlling, I want to impose my will on someone else for less than stellar reasons. If I'm seeking to influence, influence in a sense is a gift to give to someone else. And much like someone can reject a lousy gift, if you're influencing somebody in a negative direction, they can just be like, no, I don't want to go where you're leading. I don't want to accept your advice. Influence is a gift and it has to be a gift of high quality if it's going to be received. Control can just be mandated and here it is and that's just all there is to it. Okay, help me think through this analogy. Um, a lot of my analogies have guns in them. I'm sorry about all that, right. Brian. But Let's do it. Um, if somebody comes in and uh, points a gun at you, uh-huh. you could say, oh, well, they are influencing you. <laughs> With a gun. Right. But really, it's a control, because if you are serious about harming them, then you are saying you will either do it my way or you will lose something. Yeah. I feel like influence says, I will leave you as you are with all your things intact, or you can come join me in what I'm doing. Does that make sense? Meaning that there's not a loss. I feel like control demands that you either go along with the program or there will be a loss to you. Yeah. Does that it's, make sense? It's threat-based, right? It's, yeah. Yes. It's it's coercion by, yeah, by threat, by power, by force. It's all of that. But, but when you were talking about earning, that other person needs to willingly pay for it, give it to you, meaning they want to be a part of it. Right. So when you say earned, earned what? It's almost like you're earning a wage. They're giving you a piece of themselves willingly. And I think that's really the heart of what I want to focus on here is that the people have an opportunity to reject and an opportunity to accept without significant consequence. Right. And that's really the quality of a person's whether we you know, you can blur that line between influence and control. When you're controlling, you're influencing. It's just influenced by coercion. The quality of your ability to influence is is marked in large part by people's response to it, right? By their willingness to accept what it is you're you're giving to them. Now, Jesus, we said this in the open, Jesus, if there was ever someone who had the right to be a control freak, it was him. Right. He's God. He was perfect. He knew how everything was going. I can only or how everything was supposed to go. I can only imagine. It's like when you look at your children and watch them do something, and you just know it's not going to go well for them. Right. And everything in you wants to control them in that moment so that they don't hurt themselves. I mean, Jesus looked at everybody that way all the time because he knew all of this stuff, and he was perfect and and knew the heart of of humanity and everything else. He could have been a control freak. Bottom line, but he wasn't. Talk a little bit about his mode of leadership and how it was different than maybe a more controlling mode. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, there is a whole line of reasoning in uh, that some seminaries will take you down about you can study Old Testament scripture and how Jesus came in to be a different leader than the world has ever known. So a little bit of a, a, a base Jesus came into a very controlling environment, right? Mm -hmm. So he came into the ancient Jewish world 
that was dominated by the Roman Empire. So for them to even keep their own culture identity, they had to be very tightly controlled Mm -hmm. so that Rome wouldn't take them away. Yep. Meaning take away all their uh, special Jewishness, right? Well, in the same way, you're controlled by a dominating oppressor, which is the Roman Empire. So you have control over control, and then even within the home, there was high control. It was very patriarchal. It was very father runs the house, rabbis run the streets. I mean, it was everything was about control. Then you add in the fact that to many of the Jews of Jesus' day, they had taken a lot of the law of Moses and the Levitical law, and they had expounded upon it, And now you have hundreds and hundreds of codes, hundreds and hundreds of rules. Now even the system that you operate under is highly controlled. So it was, and and I'm not saying that they did anything wrong in that intensity because really that was a setup from God in the first place. He gave them a blessings and cursings concept. He gave them a covenant, a contract which said, if you do this, you will be blessed. If you do this, you will be cursed. I'm just letting you know right now. It was very tightly controlled. Mm -hmm. So Jesus, as a young Jewish boy, raised up in ancient Israel, and all of the leaders around him would have been controlling. And yet he was entirely different. And and all, I mean, if you think about all the the leaders of the world that have come through, Mm -hmm. was Alexander the Great controlling? You know, when you even get down to people like Napoleon and all these different Hitler, there's so much control, 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 but ultimately that's what eats them alive. Right. Whereas you see, like, for example, even though Alexander the Great was the way that he was, Hellenism or the advancement of the Greek culture was much more about influence. Yeah. And it bled out a lot better than sheer military conquest. It was almost like, Yes, they had great military power, but the strength of their ideas yes. caused other cultures to want to adopt them, even even when they weren't under the for, the threat of of violence or, or being conquered or things like that. So it's an interesting sort of combination of the ability to control, and yet you have such great ideas. I mean, they're still influencing us today. So well, and that's that. I think is another key point, which is if it can last beyond you, and you're not there to threaten anymore then there's an influence that has also taken place. Now, you could say there's still a fear. Let's say you instill a fear that the threat is still hovering. So let's say, for example, that there is spiritual abuse, and the, and somebody tells their children or their spiritual children, if you do not do what I say, God will come after you. Well, mm-hmm. even if that person is dead, God's still alive. The yeah. threat still exists. Yeah. Once the threat has been removed— if there is still a presence, that is influence. Right. You understand what yes. I'm saying? So I, I'm not saying they're mutually exclusive. You sure. can have influence mixed into control. But I do want to just say when it comes to a leadership decision of what we're talking about here, I really think that Jesus, he led with influence, not with control. Right? Absolutely. Uh, so I, I, I'm not quite sure how, how far you want to push this into, but about his mode of leadership. Is that, is that yeah, really sure. what Yeah, sure. Let's wanna... talk about that. Let's look at what is, what is Jesus's mode. In contrast to the leadership of the day and so much of the social structure of the day, as you've just outlined, highly authoritarian, far more than our, our current culture. 
And yet, here's Jesus coming in with a different style of leadership. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so a couple of its most famous things that he said. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light, if you remember that. Well, when he said those things, it was a come if you would like to come. It was also a he who has ears, let him hear. If you want to know more, you you would want to get closer. He was always talking about influence, but they always had an option to walk away. Yeah. We had um, his discussion with a rich young ruler. Mm-hmm. He said, what must I do to be saved? Jesus has this big discussion with him. And it says the guy left downhearted because his riches were too important to him. Jesus let people walk away from him. The other thing is that he would go in and he would do miracles. We think about the feeding of the thousands, right? He did multiple feedings of thousands of people at a time. Never demanded payment for it. Mm-hmm. Never did. It was exerting influence of saying, listen, I have something greater. He would also, when people tried to give him inappropriate power, he denied it yeah. over and over. He would say, listen, don't even start with this. Like, he knew very well he could have done miracles and scared people into things. And the one guy, uh, the rich young ruler, comes up and he says, or good teacher. He said, why do you call me good? Meaning you're already trying to put me in a place and you don't even believe that. You're already trying to allow me to control you. No. Do you even know who I am? Until you know who I am, we're not even on the right grounds. We can't even get started. Right. So I felt like even with the idea that you have Judas in the twelve. That's not a control thing. You have a betrayer. You let him in. Right. You let the whole thing go on right in front of you. Right. Yeah. So I I never saw I never saw Jesus where he was saying that um you know uh that Peter you failed one too many times it's over. Right. So I want to go back to the the story of the rich young ruler for a second because yeah. I think there's an interesting I don't. I, an interesting principle to maybe take away that I think is applicable for for any of our listeners who who are leading in any environment, which which we virtually all of us lead somewhere, even Absolutely. if it's only leading ourselves. But most of us are in some position where we have the ability to influence others. You talked about how Jesus invited the ru- the rich young ruler to follow him, sort of laid it out. This is what it's going to be about, yep. and 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 here's what it's going to going to take. And in his case, he needed to sell all he had and follow him. And and in the story, he says no, yes. essentially, and he walks away. Right. And Jesus lets him. Yeah. What does that say about Jesus's own sense of identity as a leader? And and what can we learn from that as people who are seeking to to influence and lead others? The ability that it did not automatically backwash and reflect on him, well, then you're a lousy leader. Because uh, here's the funny thing. You and I do a lot of preaching, mm-hmm. right? So we've been up in front of thousands of people. Sure. And you always want some type of affirmation that you did a good job, <laughs> right? Right. Um, and so as much as we say we don't want to or we try to be mature enough to not have to have it, you're always looking for some type of Compliments feedback. are still fun. Compliments are still fun. <laughs> Well, for Jesus to say, listen, I got some people that want to follow me, but I need you to know why you're following me. I'm not willing to take a shortcut for you to follow me for the wrong reasons. So I'm going to lay it out for you. And when you reject and say, no, I'm still the same guy. I'm not a less of a leader because you didn't choose to follow, which is kind of a, that's, that's such a powerful statement. Right. 
for those of us who are so inclined to want to value ourselves based on the feedback of others, which we know intellectually is such a silly thing to do, and yet right. we all do it so often, I, are there times when the rejection of others is a reason for self-evaluation? Absolutely. And I think totally. it, it gets to a different sort of arrogance and controlling when we're just like, whatever, nobody wants to follow me. I'm awesome. You're not. But I think it's powerful that Jesus is able to know who he is enough to not compromise that in the face of rejection from this one person and just to be able to say, this is who I am. This is what it means to follow me. If that's not going to work for you, I'm sorry, and that makes me sad, but he's not going to water down or, or, or limit who he is to seek the approval of someone he's trying to influence. He was into it for the right reasons. Yeah, He was into it for love. He was into it for for other people. Uh, it brings up another another issue and if I, you know, obviously in your thoughts if I'm jumping ahead let me know, but I think that so much of control comes from fear. Oh yeah. Right? Because sure. you're controlling because you're afraid it's going to go another way. Yeah. Right? And that I'm afraid it's going to go another way. Fear comes a lot from a lack of identity. So if we're going to chase it back, when you were talking about that Jesus knew so solidly who he was that his identity moved out away from fear, Mm -hmm. he was able to operate and lead for the right reasons, so he was able to lead rightly, if that makes any sense. Totally, absolutely. And I think that's a great lead-in to our next concept we're going to talk about, is this issue of controlling leadership. And, And here's the angle I'd like to come at this from, is... It's one thing to recognize someone else as a controlling leader. Like, I feel like this person is hyper-controlling or, you know, whatever the case may be. I don't think there are many leaders or otherwise who sort of wake up in the morning saying, I'm hyper-controlling and I rule by fear and that's the way that I want to live my life. Very few of us are doing that intentionally. How can I, as a leader, whether I'm leading my household, my children, whether I'm a leader at work or even I'm just influential in my social circle... How do I recognize controlling tendencies in myself? How would you say that? First thing I would say is watch your reactions. If there are explosions that come out, fears involved somehow. Control yeah. is involved somehow. Because yeah. if it doesn't go your way, how do you act? Yeah. I believe that um, just even as I was jotting down some notes, I believe that some of the characteristics of a controlling leader are being demanding and manipulative. Yeah. I think that if you – so here's how I would do a self-diagnostic mm-hmm. is you are out there leading whoever you're leading, and then it doesn't go well. In your response, do you automatically try to recycle them in and get them stuck? Are you yeah. always trying to think ahead of them to force them to do what you want them to do? Yeah. Is no an option for them to respond to you. Because if you're always cycling back and trying to trap them in another way. Now, this is once again where I need to be very, very careful on explaining that when you're an influential leader, you're not just a weak leader of going, oh, well, whatever you want to do. Influence can be very strong. Mm -hmm. You can make a very solid case. But what happens is, is there a threat that's based into it? So the way to diagnose it is how do you handle when people don't like your ideas? Yeah. What do you do? What, yeah. what do you think? Absolutely. I think that is powerful. How are you responding in that moment says a lot about your own perspective and, and how you view the relationships you have with other people. I, to me, 
A controlling relationship is one that is ultimately defined by results. Yes. I have a result in mind that I want to see accomplished. Yes. And whatever the collateral damage is in pursuit of that result is, is justified. Oftentimes that is driven by fear. This sense of I need to accomplish what I need to accomplish and I can't have anything get in my way. I can't be threatened. And, and if anything kind of goes sideways, then, then yeah, I, I react negatively. I get very harsh, things like that. Influence is focused on relationships. Yep. Right? You can accomplish a lot, quote unquote, and destroy relationships along the way, Absolutely. which at the end of the day is a very limited value, right? An influencer, like you said, is not weak. An influencer wants to build relationships as they make progress yep. together. Uh, similarly, I think to just like a controlling person only wants results, uh, an influencer wants to empower. Yes. At the end of the day, if I'm trying to influence you, I want you to get to a spot where you can do what I'm teaching you to do on your own. Yep. Whereas, like you said, a controlling person always wants to get in front, make sure there's kind of the, 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 the connection there that if, if the, the follower tries to break the connection, there's a huge, huge loss to them. So, so I think that's big. It's, it's results rather than, or excuse me, it's relationships for influence rather than just to focus on results. And then also we've talked about fear. What do you want to instill in those who are under your influence? Yes. Is it fear or love? Which reminds me of the Michael Scott quote from The Office, would I rather be feared or loved? Both. I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. <laughs> but <laughs> just had to work that one in there. Yeah, that was fantastic. At the end of the day, do you, want, do you want fear or love? Do you want people to be afraid of you or do you want them to love you? And do you want to love them? If at the end of the day, I'm more interested and perhaps maybe a better word than fear is loyalty. Do I want someone's is, – is there unquestioned loyalty right. – more important to me than their genuine love, a love that I reciprocate to them. If I'm after loyalty, if I only care about results, if I get, like you said, very angry, if things don't go my way, that to me is a real cause to look in the mirror and say, gosh, am I, am I trying to control people as opposed to, to influence them? Any, any thoughts on that? Yeah. So when you were talking about results and you said if results are the goal – then the other things are justified. I want to go back to that for a moment because I think this is where the blind spots are. We've all yeah. seen movies where there's a monarch or a king who is in such megalomania, he says, they all love me. Right. Meaning <laughs> they really love yeah. me. And you yeah. go, no, they don't. No. And he thinks that he's getting their love. Right. He's getting their fearful loyalty. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So when you are not self-aware then you will tend to justify everything you're doing and think you're doing it for the right reasons, right? Right. So, oh, sure. for example, if your goal is results and the results are, I think our company needs to be better, that's what I'm focused on, then no matter what I do to my employees, as long as the company's getting better, I can justify it. No, 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 it's for the greater good. Right. Oh, it's for their best interest. If they want to keep their jobs, I'm just trying to give everybody their jobs. And then you become a jerk. You become right. this dominating control freak, and you're saying, but I can justify it because of the bottom line. Yeah. And I, and I think that, so if we're talking about diagnosis, how do we even see if we're being controlled? How do we see if we're being influencing? And once again, as people walk away, how does it how does it handle in you? How does yeah. it, I should say how do you handle it? How how does it work inside? Right, 
Um, and, and I have to look at different things about myself, about ways that I have reacted poorly mm-hmm. when people have not done what I wanted them to do. Because uh-huh. there's nothing wrong in getting disappointed that you had something in mind. Sure. Hey, you know what? I really want to go on a walk with a friend. And so I'm going to try <laughs> to talk you into going for a walk with me. But you're able to say, I don't want to go for a walk, dude. Right. Well, I'm still allowed to be sad Yeah. that I was like, oh, I got to walk by myself, which, by the way, I'm never going to ask you to go for a walk. Aww. Just letting you We've know. We've got a great walking we can- path no. here at our, on our campus. <laughs> no. All right, oh, no, that's why God gave us cars. <laughs> so, but here, here's the point. The point is, just because you're disappointed or just because you're sad or just because you're frustrated doesn't automatically make you a control freak. But these are all little, indi- you got to watch the indicators why were you upset? Why were you sad? What happened afterwards? You know, so I just think that the there's not a lot of folks, I believe, in this world that are very self-aware. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that we all need to increase in. How do you, you got to see, you got to constantly ask yourself, why are you doing what you're doing? And yeah. ask it over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And how is this making other people feel? Yes. Even being aware enough to get a sense of how your behavior is affecting others. Such, such important questions that I think we can we really lose sight of when we move into uh, move into control mode. So so we've talked a little bit kind of theoretically about yeah. influence and we've used kind of high level examples talking about at a maybe at a large company or a church or anything like that. Let's kind of bring this down a level a little bit. What is what is for example, what does influence versus control look like in a family setting? Mm. Oh, that's good. Okay, so we can, once again, you start at the extremes and then let's move in. Sure. All right, so an extreme of control is kind of that um, abusive, mommy dearest, my way or the highway, all hell will unleash if you do not, that fear and threat. Um, Whereas... Uh, another influence would be in a home life where it would be, uh, hey, kids, you know, it would be awesome. We could all go to this and we could do that. And right after we get our chores done, we can all go to Disneyland, you know, yeah, and, yeah, and everyone sure. buys into it. And yay! And they all. But I think that we live somewhere in the middle, right? Yeah. And so uh, I think the the first thing that comes to mind when I look at my kids is, once again, what are you starting from? What's the motivation? So the motivation is I need my kids better than they are right now. They are not here to serve me. They are here to grow and thrive because God gave me stewardship to make sure that they grow and thrive. What do they need as the... Uh, what I would define as, and this is a very controversial statement, but I, but you know what I mean. But as the head of the home, sure. um, I believe uh, that the father is in the house. That means that he is the number one manager. He puts the right people in the right jobs, mm-hmm. the smartest people in the right job. It doesn't have to be him. Right. I believe that it also means that he's an empowerer, uh-huh. right? Which means that you are there to be the servant of your household, how does the dad serve his kids? How does the dad serve his wife? I believe that that is the call. Jesus always does upside-down leadership. The higher the title, the greater the servant. So yep. I wanted to clarify so it doesn't make it sound like I was coming from some weird psycho-hierarchical... Authoritarian yeah, control Yeah, that was the not the point. <laughs> yeah, no, no. But as all. I look at that, I would say, all right, so first of all, I'm beginning with a concept that I love my family. I'm beginning with a concept that I am serving my family. I'm beginning with a concept that I want them to be better and equipped. So what do I need to do to get there? Now, to some degree, I need to paint the vision. Yeah. What are we doing and why do you want to get on board? Now, 
does that mean that there's going to be certain times when I need them to do certain things that is much more to a control place? Yes. Yes. I don't think all control is evil. I think that, you know, it, we were kind of painting it out as the monsters control and everybody, all the good guys influence. There are areas for control that I think that are very, very healthy. I think that in a leadership of people that are not ultimately your, well, you don't own anybody. But, <laughs> but I'm it's so, different if it's your children versus your employees, for example. Like that's, I mean, very, is that kind of what you're trying to very, say? But, I mean, but explain that. Break that down a little bit more because I think it's very different. Yeah, well— We don't it, own our children. Sure. No, we don't. But there is a level of teaching and equipping that happens in the home that is just different than, than in the workplace. So to give an extremely generic example, I, as an employee here at Bridgeway, there was never a time where you had to teach me, hey, Brian, don't go into the kitchen and touch the hot stove. Right. right. You didn't have to like pull my hand and stop me from doing that, right? Where on some level with a child, you have to let them know you can't go to the oven when it's on. You can't be touching this area cuz it's not safe. Like I'm not trying to influence my kids in that moment. I'm sort of controlling hoping that leads to influence. Like I'm not I'm not giving them oh, yeah, touch it if you want. We'll see how it goes, right? There there are certain life things, life issues, and this continues even to, to a teenager or older child, where at the end of the day, I, I need to kind of set the parameters a little bit more clearly. And again, that doesn't mean I control them certainly forever, or I control, or, or that I own them, like, like you said, but there is a responsibility there as chief servant in the household. I mean, I share the same view that you do, that, 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 that I bear ultimate responsibility in my household, and that requires me to instruct my children in particular ways. In an employee situation, it's just different. I, If I'm the boss, I can impart vision, I can communicate standards, I can, can point the direction where we're going and say, hey, here's how I think we're going to get there. But ultimately, that employee can decide if they're going to opt in or opt out. And it's just a different level of instruction than maybe what you would find in the home. The whole time you're talking, uh, all these thoughts just were raging through my mind. And here's what I was thinking of. It all has to do with your sphere of influence. Yeah. For our children, it's more holistic. Right. We are responsible in influence of all their areas. Right. At work, I only have one piece of your life. Yeah, And I true. feel like in the areas of influence, whenever there's an overreaching or a violating or a crossing a boundary – that is when control starts jumping in. So, for example, if I started telling you what to do in your home as my employee, right. that becomes a controlling issue because I've overreached my sphere of influence with you. Right. With children, the, we have the entire sphere of influence. Yeah. I am not responsible to walk you across the street mm -hmm. because I believe that you as an adult man have the faculties and ability to make that decision. For a three-year-old, I have the entire responsibility knowing that they cannot make another choice. Yeah. They cannot make another option. Right. Therefore, I have full control over that scenario, and I need to use that control wisely. Yeah, and, and appropriately. And appropriately. And the, the, the issue of the reason for why you exhibit control in, in your household is so critically important, and you kind of touched on this a moment ago, do I 
desire to be sort of king of the castle in my home. And right. is that why I'm being strong? That is, that is toxic and unhealthy. And it's, it's a, a power way to, trip. Yeah. That's, that's completely inappropriate for particularly uh, for, a, for a Christian man or, or, or a Christian woman in, in terms of the relationship with the children or their view in the home. Do I need to have everyone look at me as sort of queen of the house? That's equally toxic. But if the desire is out of a desire to love your children and your family, a de- desire to empower them, a desire to direct them to discover their gifts and discover who God has made them to be and allow them to be happy and fruitful and productive in their life. That's great. And there's there are moments where that level of control for, for a child is necessary. And, and we have to be aware in our own hearts, and this comes back to an identity issue yep. of, am I looking for some sort of validation for my from my children or... Have I received my validation from God? Yes. So that I can pour into my kids. I can be yes. a validator for them and ultimately want to point them towards getting their validation from from God as well. But I don't have to I'm not looking to manipulate situations where they're over-reliant on me, where I'm just the center of their universe. Instead, I'm yes. seeking to empower them. I think that's the key difference. And and it comes back down to are we consuming other people? Are we using other people? Yeah. Or are we filled up enough with the Lord that we can invest in other people? Totally. That's yeah. it's such a, and, and, and so many implications and, and applications for that in different spheres of life. So I want to talk a little bit about how, what are some practical ways we can grow in our influence. And as, as we do this, I want to bring in, there's an article that, that, that I was reading earlier today by, by a guy by the name of Michael Hyatt, michaelhyatt.com. He's got an incredible blog, tons of, he's just a leadership expert. And the article is called, Are You Confusing Leadership with Control? And he talks about different ways you can grow in influence. The idea that he says that we can't control anybody, but we can influence That's right. a lot of people. So, and he gives some tips for how we can grow in influence. And the first tip that he gives is he says, focus on yourself, which as opposed to focusing on others. What do you, if, if I'm, if someone's listening to this and saying, Hey, I want, I want to grow as a person of influence. In what sense should they be focused on themselves? What do you think he's getting at here? Well, I think his whole heart is you got to walk what you talk and you got to model right. Yeah. I mean, what he was saying about focus on yourself is quit thinking about everything everybody else needs to do. Start thinking about what you need to be doing, yeah. because if you're doing it well, they're going to want to line up behind you. Yeah. And so when all your attention is on their lack, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're not doing it right. You're not doing it right. Whoa, 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 hold on. What about you? Are you leading well? Are you doing the right things? Are you role modeling? Are you, you know, any of those things? I think that's really what he meant. It was kind of an odd title, Focus on Yourself, because it just sounds very contrary sounds to selfish, Christ. selfish, right? <laughs> But all he was saying was just make sure that you're living a lifestyle that they should want to follow. A phrase we use around here sometimes that we got from a different organization, do you have a life worth imitating? Right. That is such a powerful question because you're right. It's easy to look at others and, oh, well, here's all the problems that they have, as opposed to saying, would I want somebody to to emulate my life? Would... A reproduction of my life, my values, the way I operate, would that be a net benefit or loss for society? And to ask that question, is my life worth imitating? And if the answer to that is no, which I think for all of us, it is to some degree because we all know ourselves and all of our weaknesses. What does it look like for me to become the sort of person who is worthy of having influence, who, who others might look to voluntarily? I think that's 
that's important. And then that kind of relates to a second component, which is to take initiative, T- take the initiative as a person who's seeking to grow in influence. What sort of what sort of initiatives can can someone take to proactively become more influential as opposed to just kind of whining about how things are? Yeah, I, I think the idea there is you got to do something. You got to get in the game. Um, it's not a matter of um, sitting back and calling it out once again on anybody else. You got to jump in and not be passive. You can't sit back and complain. You got to just jump in there and get the game rolling. I think that a leader that leads from an ivory tower from far away is not very effective. Right. That's not influential to me. Right. It's one thing to point out problems. It's another thing to work towards solutions. Yep. And I think a challenge of life and leadership that I wrestle with is there are just times where I see a problem and I'm not totally sure how to solve it. I was having a conversation with with one of our colleagues, Pastor Parnell, the other day, and I don't even remember what we were talking about, but I actually used those words. I said to him, I said, I hate to point out a problem when I don't have a suggested solution, right. but this is a problem. But this is a problem. <laughs> you know, so, so I, I, but I guess as a, as a leader and as an influencer, I, I just don't think people are motivated by someone who points out problems yes, all the and time. barks at them from a distance. Right. People are motivated by those who want to get in there and be a part of the solution. So, so it's something to look at, whether it's in your household or your work or your social setting or your family, whatever. It's easy to see problems. Anyone yes. can see problems. Yes. How can I be a part of the solution? No right? question. So we could go through. He's got a couple more, and they're, they're really good really good points here. But I want to I ask you, Lance, uh, yeah. maybe if you've got any, what, what are some other practical ways that, that a person can grow in their influence that, that you would suggest? Uh, here's the, the, the simplest one for me is you got to love people. People have no problem following someone that loves them. So when, let's go back to that whole biblical model of, let's say, uh, the man is the head of the house, whatever, that kind of thing that we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a servant issue, but, but you know, it talks about women respecting their husbands and husbands loving their wives. Yes. It is so much easier to respect someone that loves you. Amen. And and so it, to me, if you truly love people, here's the funny thing that I've always thought about myself. I'm like, you know what? I'm a really nice person. I really love people really deeply. Why would you be against me? I'm for <laughs> you. I make you better. Why would you not want to like me? Right. Like I am genuinely trying to make your world better. What would possibly? And so what I have found is that in my life, an awful lot of people have signed up to follow me in my influence out of the sheer reason they know they are loved, they're not going to be used or manipulated, mm-hmm. I will seek to make them better, but they know that my heart is for them. Yeah. When someone's heart is for you, the fear melts away, and then you can say, I would love to join that. So for me, in all Christian leaders, and I say this all the time, so many people are in love with the idea of loving people. They don't love people. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't love people, please get out of Christian leadership or change. Amen. Because you're killing us yeah. out here. We are here to really, really love people. And when you really love people, man, they have a, a much easier time following you. What about you? If you were to kind of condense that all in your head. Yeah, I want to. I want to. Not much. No, I want. I want to. I want to comment on something yeah. that you said because I, I completely agree. And it's such an odd. I, I wrestle with this personally. I wrestle with not being judgmental about it when I, looking at others and all of that. Is it's such an odd time right now in in leadership and just culturally, anybody can be a leader, 
right? The opportunities for leadership are more vast than they've ever been with the, with the internet and social media right. and everything else. And I guess just, just constantly wanting to ask the question of myself, what's the goal here? Yes. Am I seeking to build a platform so that people will think I'm cool, so right. that I can have power and all of that? Or am I, and this is going to get into my, I think my biggest piece of advice, or do I love people enough that I really feel that I have something to offer them? Yes. And and if the answer to that is is do you have something to offer, then I think you're 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 leading from from the right place. I remember when I was first starting out in ministry, the church I was working at, we were just starting a, a college and young adult ministry, and I was brand new, fresh. I was like 23, which a long time ago. And and I remember talking to my dad about publicity and about trying to market ourselves and everything we were doing. And I just kind of was saying, gosh, it's just, it feels so weird. It feels kind of icky to be like, Hey, come see what we're doing. Look what, look what's going on. And he asked me this really simple question. He said, well, do you feel like you have something good to offer people? And I said, yes. And he says, then why on earth are you afraid of telling people that? Mm. And I'm like, man, that's so powerful. That's true. Because really at the end of the day, we weren't trying to draw a crowd. We're trying to change lives and yes. point them towards Jesus. And it's like, okay, yeah. That's like, if what I'm selling is something that is going to benefit you, then there shouldn't be any shame in trying to yeah. sell it. Now, if I'm trying to sell, sell you on something because it'll line my pockets or build my ego or whatever, man, that's that, if that's the motivation, certainly from a Christian standpoint, you need to get out of leadership. But when it's the goal is to benefit others, yes. that's powerful. So, so to, there's a long winded way of getting to my, my point, which is to have something to offer. Yes. Work on having something to offer. Maybe that's growing in your skills. Maybe that's doing more reading. Maybe that's getting some online training. Maybe that's being mentored by somebody who can who can train you up. Just grow in your skills so that you're the sort of person that has something of practical benefit to offer. Maybe in the home. Maybe that's just trying to educate yourself about how you can be a better parent. Maybe as a, as a spouse. Maybe that's just trying to grow in your own self-awareness to see, okay, how am I influencing my husband, my wife? How can I grow in that? As a, as a leader at work, it's just trying to constantly be evaluating your own skills, growing in those skills so that you have something to offer. I think this is such an unbelievable time to be alive in in the sense that the ability to grow in our skills so that we have something to offer is, is I think, unique in human history. So you want to influence people? H- have something that people are going to want. Go out there and get it and then share it for the right reasons. Yeah, and I think that uh, too many people are in the wrong reasons is that they would rather be famous than be helpful. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's one of those things where they're just going, man, I wish everybody knew about me. I wish everybody would follow me. Why? Well, for you, if you got nothing to give, you got nothing to bring to the table, you're not blessing them in any way. Why should they do that? Yeah. And what's the end game for you? Do what's you think fame end? is going to make you happy? Yeah. And honestly, <laughs> uh, I think a lot of people do. Yeah. 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 And that's a, I mean, that's a road to road to nowhere. So, uh, so at the end of the end, the end of the day, I think something that, Lance, I know this is true for you. It's true for me. And I think we'd encourage our listeners to, to try to make this true for you. Be conscious of what's going on in your heart and in the way that you're leading others. Are you leaning into influence or where are areas where you might be prone towards control? And then what does that say about you? Is that an identity thing? Is that a fear thing? And, and how can you move away from control 
so that instead you can be influencing others in a healthy way. Yeah, I guess my final thing would be people can't follow what they do not know. And so the clearer you can cast a vision about where, where you're really wanting them to go and why it would be beneficial to them, the more people will follow you. I think as long as you continue to tell them there is a great idea out there, is hard. When you tell them the great idea, yeah. here's how I think you should change and how I think <laughs> things should be good. And yeah. I got to tell you, these are the steps to get there. The clearer you can paint a, a vision, the more they're going to chase after you. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. All right. Well, Thank you all for listening. Thank you, uh, Lance, for the time. Thanks to Lucian and Brennan, our amazing audio director and video director, respectively. Great work, fellas. See them high-fiving. We will be back with a new episode. This one will be broadcast live on Facebook on July 18th. So thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your week. We will look forward to seeing you then. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.